The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Thank you for attending the event today. Uh, it's certainly weird to be back online doing press conferences, but we're going to make sure that we're all safe with the, the new COVID numbers going up again. Um, as most of you know, when I pulled together the team of people to form the Mayor's Racial Justice and Equity Alliance, I wanted a strong independent group that would not only go out into the community for feedback and recommendations, but also take a look at city government operations regarding equity issues. The Alliance and the various subcommittees produced a, a massive report that include, included many recommendations. Uh, one of the first actions we took was to hire a diversity, equity, and inclusion officer in the city to work internally and help implement these plans. Uh, you're gonna hear from Guadalupe Ayala, our DEI officer next about an important project that she's been spearheading and we're officially launching today. Uh, the recommendations from the Mayor's Racial Justice and Equity Alliance included internal act, included external actions um, and items to be implemented throughout the city, but also included several internal items dealing with how Lansing can be more equitable and inclusive as a city. We've certainly made significant progress and have had many accomplishments already. I'm going to list a few of them. Uh, first, we identified the dollars to put towards DEI and appropriated them through city council. We created internal and external structures for, for implementation of the MRJEI recommendations. We drafted an ordinance that is currently being reviewed by city council to establish a permanent DEI board for the city. The Michigan Public Health Initiative has begun the tone at the top training and discussions, which were mentioned in the recommendations. Uh, they've begun that with, with our cabinet and myself to help city leaders and department directors understand the importance of diversity and equity across the board in our city departments. We've begun discussions for a citizens review board as per the recommendations. Uh, the DEI executive team is holding discussions with local pastors regarding collaboration as the MRJEA recommendations are implemented. Um, we've also held trainings uh, for myself, for members of my cabinet. The trainings have included sessions on the history of institutional and structural racism in America, shared language for racial equity, examining existing racial disparities in cities and its implications, concepts and tools for organizing and operationalizing racial equity, and learning how to use a racial equity tool when conducting daily operations, budgeting, communication, community engagement, and decision-making. Uh, the MRJEA have also had ongoing discussions with national groups like the Government Alliance on Race and Equity, or GARE, and the National League of Cities Race, Equity, and Leadership, or REAL program, to prepare for the work ahead and take advice and learn from other cities across the country who are also doing this work. Uh, Lansing isn't alone in the fight for equity, and there's so much we can learn from other cities and what's worked and what hasn't to ensure we do this correctly for our residents. So I appreciate the, the hard work the MRJEA is doing. I appreciate these partnerships, and certainly it's, it's been busy, and we've got more work to do. Um, so that, that brings us to why we're here today. And I'm going to turn it over to Guadalupe Ayala uh, to introduce you to the city's latest equity tool. Thank you, Mayor Shore, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you all for joining us. Uh, today is a very exciting day for the team that has come together to bring to our city two very important tools uh, that provide transparency and will help our community advance uh, racial equity. I would first like to take the time to thank uh, Sam Kwan and Andy Skelton from the city's information technology department. Uh, Sam and Andy have been very vital 
in bringing to life the tools that we have here, uh, we're here to learn about, uh, their dedication uh, to their research collection and process of putting the data together has been phenomenal. So thank you both. Um, they are here today and available for questions at the end. And of course, I also would like to say thank you to everyone that assisted in all the different areas. So after my overview, I will be uh, followed by Andrea Collier and Brett Kaczynski, who will talk about the benefits of using the tools and the mayor will introduce them uh, following myself. So we'll jump in and take a look at the tools. Uh, first, we wanna start by seeing where we can find them. So I'll share my screen. Just a second, okay. So here we have, uh, let me share, there we go. So here we have the, uh, our website for the city of Lansing. And um, right here under government, when you go to government, you'll find the diversity and dashboard link. Another way that you can quickly find it is scrolling down to the bottom. And under quick links, you'll find the diversity and dashboard link as well. And the third way is to actually going to lansingmi.gov slash equity. And that's what we'll use right now to, um, to go directly to that uh, website. So you will first get a narrative at the top. And then when you scroll down, you will find both of the tools, the equity matrix and the workforce diversity dashboard. So let me scroll down. Another way that you can look at these tools is by scrolling down and actually uh, clicking at the link. So instead of looking at it as a widget in our website, you'll, you'll look at it as a whole. So you can find the equity matrix there and the work for diversity dashboard. So um, first I wanna talk about the workforce diversity dashboard, which you can go to and by clicking to the uh, right side. And right here, you will see that the, uh, the data here compares the diversity of the city's full and part-time workforce compared to the community. And that's all under the summary tab here at the bottom. Then in addition to the breakdown of the demographics, the dashboard gives a closer look at the number of employees and the average years of service. And that's under the details tab right here. So you'll see here, we have 826 employees uh, as a full-time or part-time in, in our workforce. And it also shows the average service time. So um, you can scroll uh, to the left or to the right to really you know, dig deep and, and see by year. And uh, the data comes from two sources, from the, um, the US Census Bureau and the city's HR payroll system. Our data will be updated quarterly and the census data will be updated every time an update is published. So the data can be really be viewed by the entire city workforce or by department. And that's here in the top uh, right corner. You see where it says department, you can click on it and uh, search by department. So for example, I'll go to our, my department, the Human Relations and Community Services, and you can see uh, the number of employees that we have and the average service of the years. And when you click uh, or actually put your mouse over each bar, you can see exactly, for example, black females, five. And just to let you know that the data that we collect is really voluntary. So we um, welcome you know, or tell our employees that they can at any time of their employment go to the HR department and uh, self-identify. 
we know and respect that some of them don't want to self-identify. So that's where, you know, the other tab comes in. So uh, we'll keep, so the city of Lansing really has a commitment to recruiting and hiring and developing and promoting a diverse workforce that really mirrors the people who live in the city of Lansing. And this, this uh, tool will be a great tool for the city leadership along with HR to really analyze any disparities and really modify the recruiting strategies if that's what they see fit. So that's the workforce diversity dashboard. We'll go over to the equity matrix on the left side. So, um, so this tool, again, it's called the equity matrix. Uh, we are really excited for everybody to start using it. Uh, it is an interactive tool that helps us to visualize local demographic uh, demographics and disparities, which will lead the users, such as city leaders, employees, organizations, community members, to really identify if there is needs in different areas. So our hope is that this information will lead all to really prioritize specific services that may be needed in specific way of delivering their programs. Or you know, we want this to. Um, be really to center disparities and center an outcome-driven approach to really closing those disparities in our community. So the first step is really understanding and being able to visualize it. And that's what this tool does uh, and visualize where the gaps are. So this tool uh, really does that for us and we can go ahead and dive deep into it and see what it entails. You can see that at the bottom of the tool, there are six tabs and I will go over um, them. And in the middle, you'll see that there's a map that you, with your mouse, you can really click on it and go in really into basically by street. And uh, you can go over like a block and click on it and it gives you more information about, you know, the what we're looking at in the index. So for example, for race in here, you'll see at the left side and information about where the data comes from, how often it may be uh, available, and uh, what the index indicates. So in, for race, a lower index indicates a lower number of people of color living in that census block group. And then when we go over to the income tab, uh, you'll see that a lower index uh, score, uh, it means that there so the, a lower index score indicates a lower number of people within the zero to 24,999 yearly income bracket living in that census block group. So again, the same thing with the map in here, you can scroll in, go really by block, uh, click on that and more information comes up. The race over income combined tab, same thing. Well, in this one, a higher index score indicates a higher number of people of color making under $2,500,000 a year in that block grant. So again, gives you more information here that you, you can look on and scroll down. Then the language tab, um, the lower the index score, the lower number of limited English speaking households in that census block group as well. And then for education, um, a lower index score indicates a lower number of people with no high school diploma or equivalent living within that block group. And then lastly is our redlining index. And as we know, the Homeowners Loan Corporation created risk maps in the 1930s for nearly all cities with uh, populations over 40,000. So these cities were uh, 
what became Redline, specifically the federal government uh, developed an underwriting manual that required uh, for appraisers to grade neighborhoods and cities. And in here we have the colors and what they mean. A, of course, meant the best, and B, uh, the blue uh, meant still desirable, the yellow declining, and of course, the red meant hazardous. Also, another great tool within this redlining tab is the, uh, you can add a layer, an additional layer. So let me zoom in a little bit. And this layer is for the, uh, really for context, it's the low to moderate income data provided by the HUD's Community Development Block Grant. Uh, and this data is broken up into classes defined by this program to help decide where CDBG funds are allocated. So again, it's a really you know good thing of comparing the redlining and uh, CDG da CDBG data. So this really concludes my overview of the tools. We so we really hope that everybody is able to utilize the data to really drive policy and budgetary decision making at a local level. But it really is. Um, making decisions in every programming that your organization might do or that you know you want to do in the future, maybe apply for a grant. So with the understanding that if we meet the needs of populations experiencing the worst disparities, we can begin to improve outcomes for all residents. So lastly, I want to state that as we know the data changes, staff change, you know, a lot of things can uh, be modified. So we welcome any recommendations or concerns when it comes to these tools. And also we, we welcome any um, suggestions to, to make it better or any data that you know you have available and you wanna provide to us or partner with us, let us know. In our website, uh, you can see that you can contact us anything relating to the matrix to equity at lansingmi.gov. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you all. And even if it's a success story about using this tool, we really welcome it. So thank you all again, and um, I will pass it back to Mayor. Thanks, Guadalupe. Great job. Great explanation. Uh, appreciate all your, your hard work on this. I know you've been working really hard, uh, and we're, we're always very impressed. Uh, I want to introduce next uh, Andrea King Collier. She is a multimedia journalist, essayist, and author. Uh, in addition to having authored her own books, she provides advice to organizations nationwide, She's written articles that have been published in national publications, including Ebony, Essence, AARP, Town and Country, and the Oprah Magazine Book of Happiness, just to name a few. Uh, her work appears across print, online, and broadcast media. She is a Lansing resident, so I'm proud to have her as a Lansing resident, such a wonderful expert here in our city. Uh, she's one of our community partners. Uh, she provides advice relative to the equity data matrix. She's also drafted the web content associated with this tool to ensure user friendliness and relevance to our community. So Andrea, welcome. Thank you for having me. And I'm really glad to have been a part of this team. I do, uh, as the mayor said, I do national work, but I do live here in Lansing. And so having a tool like this, especially if you take a look at the last two years, and I can tell you, then on the projects that I work on, including the reporting work, data is king, but data hides. Data is not easy to find when you're working on a story. So I love this tool because even as it builds out, and as Guadalupe said, we are not done. It's, you know, data is fluid. They will be adding, continue to add things. 
but it gives you the opportunity to do one-stop shop or at least cut one stop that you cut it down to one stop instead of 99 stops. And, and what does it mean to the community is that the city is putting into place a place where you can look and you have, you can hold them accountable. You can, there's accountability in this. If the numbers go up, it means one thing. If the numbers go down, it means another thing. If the numbers stay the same, it means something else. It's a measuring stick for the covenant and the partnerships between the city and the community. And it's wonderful to see numbers go up and down. And I don't know if any of you have been covering COVID. Data numbers on that particular thing, which doesn't have anything to do with the city numbers, but just to say that those numbers are hard to find. They are not clear. When you think you've got the right answer, you probably don't. But here is a place that's giving you good, clean data. And as, as in all of the work that I do, I appreciate that. The other thing is if you are a community partner or if you are a, uh, let's say you work for a nonprofit, Another place where data is key is in fundraising development and in grant writing. You are not writing a good grant if you don't have good numbers. And so here is an opportunity for you to get good numbers, up-to-date numbers, numbers from folks who are paying attention to the fact that they have made a commitment to share numbers with you. I, I think it's a great tool. I look forward to seeing what it's going to be like six months out, a year out, and how that evolves. So it's a work in progress in terms of what they're able to add, and it's exciting. So I, I'm glad, and I will be using it. Thank you, uh, Ms. Collier. I greatly appreciate it. We certainly wanted to show uh, how this can be used externally without with the uh, with the community. Uh, additionally, we wanted to show how this uh, can be used and will be used internally um, here within the city. And, and a good example is our parks department. Um, so we have with us our parks director, Brett Kaczynski, who's gonna talk a little bit about uh, how our parks department's using the data. Thanks, Mayor. So our mission here at Lansing Parks and Recreation is to provide leisure time activities, which is when you're not at work or when you're not at school. Uh, and also special facilities that would not otherwise be available to Lansing residents. In an effort to determine our reach in the city, we had our information technology department uh, map the addresses of our 2019 recreation participants. So why 2019? This was obviously our pre-pandemic numbers when we were fully open and had all of our programs running. We were pleased to see uh, that we were serving people from all areas of Lansing. This map data uh, enables us to look at specific neighborhoods and neighborhoods of focus to determine any low participation areas. So we will be able to address any gaps with increased marketing and programming efforts. We know that youth participation in recreation programs is associated with positive changes in developmental outcomes. Uh, we invest in youth, which in turn invests in our community. We want every child and every adult uh, in Lansing to have a safe, fun, and positive place to play, learn, and grow. 
and we offer scholarships to Lansing youth aid in participation. And we look forward to serving as many children as possible. We're also very proud uh, to have many of the staff who grew up in our programs working for us now. And we're always looking for more positive role models to hire uh, to help us further our mission here at Lansing Parks and Recreation. Mayor. Thanks, Brett. Uh, appreciate that. That's uh, wanted to share that information. And for the media, please ignore that Brett had an Ohio State picture right behind him. Um, we don't uh, we don't approve that here in the city of Lansing. Uh, so that's what we've got. This is the the brand new uh, tool and matrix that that we're rolling out as part of uh, the next step in our diversity, equity, and inclusion work uh, as part of our uh, mayor's racial justice and equity alliance. So I will invite the, the media to ask questions of, of any of the folks who presented on any of the pieces. Um, and if not, we, we can certainly provide any of the folks available one-on-one, -on -one. Um, just talk to Scott Bean in my office. I don't see anything in the chat. I don't see any hands going up. We have oh, a hand raised, Mayor. Uh, I see. I see one. There's a Kevin Lavery uh, from WKAR um, is asking about redlining data. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to take that. I will. I will lead off with um, Kevin. We've we've used some of that data in in the past to create our neighborhoods of focus. Um, we created our neighbor uh, neighborhood of focus, the the Willow Walnut Comstock Park area. Um, utilize some of that previous redlining data uh, when we match that up with with numbers, poverty rates, and and uh, and other resources that were available. Um, we found that uh, a previously redlined area um, did not have the equity of available resources to help those folks. Um, this is exactly why we set that as a neighborhood of focus. Uh, we are um, we we started mapping that out. It became challenging when COVID happened, but. Uh, Delisa Fontaine and our neighborhoods department is, is working with several folks there, whether churches or neighborhood leaders and others, to, um, to localize many of the resources. That area has a capital area housing project. It has uh, Mid-Michigan Charter Academy. It has Advent House. Um, it has several areas that serve citywide and, and statewide, um, and we're working with them to, to serve that specific area for better outcomes. Um, to make sure that folks are getting the resources they need. So we have specifically done that utilizing some of this data. Uh, again, when you ask about redlining, specifically with redlining, and, and we'll, continue, we'll continue to do that in other areas that have need. You know, before I became mayor, the Baker neighborhood was designated as a, uh, as a neighborhood of focus. Southwest Lansing area was designated, designated as a neighborhood of focus. You heard Brett Kaczynski talk about uh, when we look at programs, you know, neighborhoods of focus, continue to be um, areas where we give more points and, and higher consideration. And we'll continue to look at the city to see if there are other neighborhoods uh, that we have to, to make focused neighborhoods while using this data. So um, it really dictates uh, staff time and our resources and how we can push resources into, into those specific areas. Um, anybody else want to address that? Uh, if not, um, I believe Joy Gleason has the hand up. Joy, you Come should on. be able to talk. Go ahead. 
Hello, um, I had a question about updating the data on the data matrix. So it was mentioned that yes, data changes over time. Is there a planned schedule for when the data is going to be updated? We'll let one of the experts take that one on. Yeah. Uh, did you want to take it, Guadalupe, or do you go want ahead, me to answer? Go ahead, Sam. Go ahead. So the data is, at least the employee data is going to be updated um, quarterly. So it's going to be uh, updated uh, four times a year. Um, with the census data, we're always going to go look at the census page to make sure everything matches up at that time. So that that's basically the update schedule that we have right now. All right. Thanks, Sam. Um, looks like Elena asked if the diversity dashboard takes into account the demographics of people in leadership roles. Um, I'm not sure how that's broken out. I know my office is listed. I know that um, different departments are listed. I'm not sure if it's individually listed. So right now it's listed by departments. Um, we can do some more filtering um, by the different bargaining groups. So within our HR system, um, each employee is listed by bar bargaining groups. So uh, like the mayor would be within the executive bargaining group, we could basically add additional filters to break those out um, in the future if that is what um, we see that is something that the public wants to view. Thank you, Sam. Uh, Kyle asked for me, uh, does anything surprise me, uh, takeaways? Um, you know, it was interesting for me to, to look at this department by department. Um, certainly we've had a lot of employees here for a long time looking at the longevity of employees. Uh, I think we've done a good job um, pushing out job postings and things in areas um, that are that are diverse in nature and in advertising, and it looks like we're we're starting to to make a um, make a dent in that to make sure that that we have a diverse workforce. Um, but again, when you're looking at department by department, you know there there are some that that seem to to have a, a great diversity and some that um, that don't. Uh, and we can look at well, what can we do about that? How can we adjust that? And then looking at it citywide, um, no, that didn't it didn't really surprise me. I mean, we know that um, that there are different areas of the city that have different um, diversity makeups. Lansing is a tremendously diverse city and I'm tremendously proud of that, um, but there are different areas around the city that have different um, racial makeups and that's, it, it's historic. It's, you know, there are many reasons for that. Um, so I'd say there were, there were, yeah, there were some surprises. Um, you know, you always want the, you know, the numbers to, to reflect a, um, a diverse workforce in a diverse city. And, and uh, we'll certainly take a lot of this into account as we do a lot of our work, as I mentioned before, we've done trainings on, on, um, on, on equity. We've done trainings on how to, how to put things in context through an equity lens. Um, and I think all of this data will help us to, to focus our efforts. Um, okay, well, I'm not seeing anything further. Um, so any, any other media with questions, please feel free to, to hit up Scott. Uh, and I'd offer to, to send you information, but it's all up on the website. So you can take a look at it and, and roll through it and look at it. And uh, if there are any questions that come up, again, please feel free to get them to Scott and we can get answers from, from Guadalupe or, or any of our MRJEA leadership team. Um, thank you everyone for joining us today and, and uh, on this weird um, press conference online once again, hopefully the next time we'll be in person, but uh, I hope everybody stays safe and, and has a great rest of the week.